There's always going to be the next thing. Uh, you, we can always find something that we wish would be a little bit better or something that seems just, just not quite fair to us because of what somebody else is getting out of their life. Uh, Jim Carrey, a f fairly successful comedian and actor, said this, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. And, and I know, like, most of us do not go out of our way seeking wisdom from Jim Carrey on how to live our life, you know, and that kind of thing. And so many of us kind of hear that and we're like, yeah, okay, I understand the sentiment, but I, I'd like to see for myself if that's actually true. Like, we don't quite believe that. And part of that is, is just jealousy just kind of sneaking in between the cracks of our heart. And when we let it overtake and overwhelm and control our emotions, it does a lot of damage within our hearts. And so just like with other emotions, we're probing our own hearts with God's word, uh, understanding, for example, this truth from Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Which, which, quite frankly, that is not the conventional wisdom of the, of the day. Like, that's not right now the, the cultural, uh, societal message that's being pushed right now. It's more along the lines of, hey, you know what the problem that's been all along in your life is that you haven't followed your heart enough. And so what you really need to do is just every, every whim, every feeling that you have and stuff, you just need to pursue that to, uh, to its fullest conclusion in your life. And like, that's the key to full happiness uh, in, in your life. But we know, at least some of us, when we're honest about doing that in our lives, we know that's not really the path to happiness. That, that's not something that's worked out for us in our lives. And it's, it's the same thing with all of these emotions that are very dangerous for us when we, when we go to the fullest extent of how they control our hearts. And this emotion, uh, jealousy, is probably the easiest one to see the debt-to-debtor relationship uh, that we've talked about and kind of used uh, to describe what these emotions do to us and how they make us think in our life. Uh, for example, guilt says, I owe you. Anger says, you owe me. And greed says, I owe me. And, and when we talk about jealousy, it's definitely something that we feel like there's, there's uh, somewhere along the line, somebody has something or we lack something that we feel like we are owed something that others have. Like maybe, for example, your friend, they can wear a different, you know, size clothing or style of clothing than you, and you're like, you're a little jealous of that because it's not something that you can do. Or maybe you wish you had the athletic ability of a sibling, or maybe you wish your biceps were as big as the other guy in the gym. Uh, not a problem I have. Maybe you wish, what? Not, not as much laughter as I thought, so all right, I'm doing good. Uh, maybe you wish you were as lucky as your friend who landed a really high-paying job or just got that amazing promotion. Maybe you wish you had your dream car, which your neighbor just got, or Steven Strasburg just got as the MVP uh, for the World Series. Maybe someone else's relationship to their spouse seems to be perfect and yours isn't even close. And those things seep in, and they, they get to us, and it's an enemy that can kind of take us off path in such a way that puts us in a position that we never expected to be. Um, sometimes we're even okay with others having these things. What we're not okay with is the fact that we can't or we aren't or we won't be all those things. Uh, it, it's something that wedges deep in our hearts and has to be pulled out and called out in our life for what it is. Uh, it's easy, for example, for us to assume that our problem uh, when it comes to jealousy is with the other person who has the thing, like it's between that person who has what we don't have and us. But if we peel back the layers, uh, the reality is, especially for those of us who believe in God and, and recognize that he has given us some promises about how he's going to take care of us and, and how life is going to go for us, is that our problem actually when it comes to jealousy is with God. Because he's the one who can make our lives different. He's the one who could give us 
better athletic ability. He's the one who could give us more intelligence. He's the one who could give us more breaks when it comes to our job and our promotion and what we're trying to accomplish in our careers. I mean, really, God could just snap the finger and make things different exactly the way we want them, but he hasn't. And so that's why jealousy exists in our life. And so when it comes to the debt-to-debt relationship, jealousy is not between us and another person. It's really between us and God. And so jealousy says, God owes me. That, that's really what the problem is for us, is, is that, you know, if God had only done this thing for me, or why didn't God do this or give me this, or what was God thinking when I didn't get this thing that I wanted and desired for my life? If God had taken care of us in the way that he has some other peop- people, maybe we'd be better off in our life. Maybe we'd have a better paycheck, a bigger house. Maybe our health would be better, some of those things, better connected. And yet, we know... Like Part of the whole believing in God, trusting in Jesus, knowing that we're supposed to be following him and believing what God has done for us through Jesus, we know that really God doesn't owe us anything. I mean, if we're, we're believers in Jesus, we're disciples of his and we're following him, we've made this understanding hopefully evident in our lives that God has given us everything through Jesus, that his promises are fully fulfilled in Jesus and how he saved us, the fact that Jesus became a living sacrifice for us, that he uh, did away with the problem of sin that keeps us separated from God in our relationship with him. He gave us everything we need. And so the fact of the matter is we owe God everything. We're, we're in debt to him and something that can never re- be repaid. And so we're grateful and thankful for Jesus. And maybe that's why we redirect our jealousy, because even though our jealousy problem is that we feel that God owes us something, we take it out on the people that are around us. I mean, they're, they're the ones that suffer. It's our relationship. Our jealousy rarely comes to play in our interaction with God because we can't take it out on him because he doesn't deserve it. And so we take it out on other people. Um, chances are, like the people that suffer from our jealousy are the people that are closest to us, our friends, our family, our neighbors, our coworkers, the people that we have fun with. I mean, those are the, the relationships that, it keep, that jealousy keeps from being as healthy as they could be. Um, one of the most painful results of our jealousy is that it's taken out on other people. And, th- and that's kind of the way that jealousy twists our hearts. Like the, the way that we naturally feel better, for example, when it comes to jealousy, what ma- ma- makes us naturally feel better about it when we're jealous of other people is when, is when something bad happens to them or when they fail. L- let's be honest. Like it's, it's the whole feeling where, you know, you say, and maybe it's just me, uh, first service got, got to the point where they were willing to admit it as well, and so I think, I think we all can as well. But maybe it's that whole thing like, yeah, honey, you ain't a teenager no more. You can't fit in the, <laughs> you know, that dress like you used to. Like that kind of feeling when a celebrity, for example, they've had a run of success, and, and you're like, it's, it's always fun to kind of see them taken down a notch or something like that. No, you're not with me. All right, how about a sports team, for example? Maybe you can think of a sports team that's had a long history of winning, that it's the team that you love, everybody loves to hate, you know, and everybody wants to see them fail and to get, you know, to a certain point, we like the whole uh, rags to riches story, the American dream thing, but it depends on how long you've had your riches, <laughs> you know, because then we don't mind seeing you take, taken down a notch, and we get to say, oh, how the mighty have fallen, or how the tables have turned, and it actually makes us feel a little bit better about that situation. It's like, oh, yes, that team finally lost. Or, oh, that person isn't perfect anymore. Oh, they finally got a ding on their car, so now I don't have to hear about how perfect, you know, the finish is on it anymore. And that little, you know, 
feeling of satisfaction and pleasure that comes in our hearts when that happens is because of jealousy. It comes from within our hearts. And when jealousy is left unchecked, all of our relationships are unsafe. There, there are no relationships in our life that are, that are safe for us. We'll always find someone who's richer, who's more attractive, who's more talented, has better hair, who's better connected, has a newer car, has a better ministry, someone who just seems to be playing luckier than you in life. And with jealousy in our hearts, it makes it hard, it makes us almost impossible to live out our relationships and our lives in the way that Jesus calls us to. And that's by loving one another. And so James, in James chapter 4, he's the half-brother of Jesus, and he writes this, he writes this letter. In James chapter 4, he really um, boils this down for us and peels back the layers of what the problem actually is when it comes to our jealousy. And so in James chapter 4, verse 1, uh, he poses two questions. James says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? And then he says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And what he's doing here is James is showing that our external conflicts and the issue that we have with uh, the things that we want and don't get, the problem is, is this is a spilling over of our internal conflict that's made, our, it made its way to the surface. And when he talks about our desires, look, they're, they're, the caveat here is they're absolutely good things for us to want. They're good things that we need. They're desires that are godly, that God wants us to have in our lives, that he wants us to pursue. And sometimes the tension between not having that because we live in a sin-broken world and, and desiring that, that, that's tough. And that's something that God absolutely wants to, wants to deal with in our lives and help us through in, the, in that matter. But when James says this, when he says your desires, he's got something uh, very specific in mind and something that we have to be honest with ourselves about. Because this word that he use, uses for desires is the same word that we get the word hedonist from. And so when he talks about that, he's talking about our desire for pleasure and how, how much that is an overriding feeling, an overriding part of how we navigate life and how we feel about the life that we're living. As he says, hey, when your desires, your desires for pleasure, uh, that battle within you, those are the things that cause so much angst, so much, um, so much damage in our relationships in this life. When we find ourselves in an argument with someone, uh, it will be because a battle within ourselves has spilled out into that relationship with this someone else and vice versa. And we have these conflicting desires churning around us inside us, and when we're bumped, you know, it spills over into other people. Some of the people that we hurt the most when these emotions spill out in our lives, especially in, when it comes to jealousy and, and not getting what we want, um, the people that we hurt the most often are the people that we claim to love the most. You know, it's our spouse, or it's our children, family, closest friends, those kinds of things, and it's a proximity issue. It's because the people that we're closest to happen to be there when all the things that we let build up in our life uh, finally explode and spill over, and they're the ones that uh, suffer the damage from it. And so this internal struggle that threatens the peace of our homes and our offices and our relationships are, are sim simply this uh, thing that James calls out and he says, uh, you want something, but you didn't get it. And that's really what jealousy is. And this, this desire for pleasure problem that we have is that jealousy is, is simply us wanting something and not getting it. And that's the problem we have. And so that's the source of our conflict. Two people want their way and only one way is going to move forward. And so for example, um, for those of you that are married, I, I want to give you some marriage advice. Okay. So when you're having an argument with your spouse, <clears throat> with your husband or your wife, I, I just want you to stop them in the middle of the argument and say, you know, the reason why you're overacting right now is because you're not getting what you want. 
And, and I just think that will really improve your marriage and your relationship. And so Renee and I do this all the time, right? And we just, it's, okay, don't do that. Like, that, 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 will not, that will not work. Uh, so, so maybe not start from that point. But maybe, maybe individually, you know, a conviction from the Holy Spirit in recognizing this will stop us and think, what is this really about? What is the problem here? Like, am I pursuing something that, that I know, like, this is something God says in his word that, that, that I need to put into practice in my life, and so I'm, I'm fighting for this thing that he's fighting for for me, and, like, that's the issue. Or is this really because I desire my own pleasure to be fulfilled in this scenario, in this situation? Now, it would be a great lesson for your kids. If you have kids or something like that, stop them, and if they're arguing with each other, stop saying, you know, say, I'm just being a big baby because I'm not getting what I want. Like, that would be good for them. Maybe that will help them to understand what's really going on in their hearts. It's that it's really something this, this simple about these desires for our own pleasures to be fulfilled. In verse uh, 2 of James chapter 4, James says, uh, you know, he gives the results, the implications of, of these desires, uh, this jealousy being uh, left unchecked in our lives. He says, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And, and kill may sound like a little extreme, like it's a hyperbole. And, and maybe, you know, James is thinking about how irreparably damaged some of our relationships become when it's simply about us not getting what we want out of, of the equation. And we sustain that over a long period of time, and it's something that we can't come back for. It. But certainly, we can think of plenty of examples where people have lost their lives over something uh, where somebody just wanted to take something that they didn't have from someone who did. Um, and we covet. When we covet, we're hotly pursuing, we're striving after something uh, to meet a, a a desire that we have that really is never going to be satiated by that thing. We want something and we don't get it. So James is looking beneath the surface. He's peeling back the layers of our hearts and our desires. And he's talking about the things that are really never meant to satisfy us to begin with. It's the things that we're distracted by, the desire for pleasure that we want and want and want, but are never going to be truly satisfied by in this life. And so he says, here's what you do with these desires that can be never fully satisfied. We take them to God. He says, you do not have because you do not ask God. Because when we let jealousy direct us, our desire for pleasure to direct us in our relationships and how we live our life, the way we think about what we pursue in our lives, we're neglecting God. We're putting him to the side. He's not even a part of the equation. We're not recognizing that the issue is we really think that God owes us something. And so what do we do? We burden other people with those desires that they're incapable of fulfilling in the first place. And so James says we ought to be bringing them to God. And that, this is not just a, well, I prayed about it, and you know, I prayed that God would change this person's heart, and I prayed that he would change my heart kind of thing. I think James is thinking a little bit deeper here and pressing more into the matter of actually naming the things out loud or on paper or in your head, however you're praying about these things in your life and dealing with them, and being very specific about it. God, why did you not make me 6'9 so I could be a professional volleyball player? Like, why is that, if that seems oddly specific, it's because it's a real thing. Like, I, I wish I was 6'9 so I could uh, be a professional volleyball player. And so there, there you go. Uh, you take that and do whatever you want with it. You know, but that, that's, a, that's a between me and God thing, so, you know, leave me alone. Um, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things about being really specific about, and this is a thing I'm wrestling with. I'm struggling with my feelings about somebody else in their life because of really what I'm struggling with in my life. 
and it's hurting my relationship with that person. So God, I, I want to pray very specifically about my health issue, my weight issue, my job issue, my house issue, my car issue, and actually name that really specifically uh, in our life and take it to God. Because once we've admitted that our root problem is that we're not getting our way, and once we've thoroughly and completely given those desires over uh, to God and casted, cast that anxiety on him, we'll find it much easier to be able to be in relationship with other people in our life because we recognize it's not a problem between us and them. It's something between us and God. And it causes us to reframe and rethink about how these desires are actually impacting our lives. Um, regardless of whether or not uh, somebody gives you something that you feel like you deserve, you'll find peace because you're no longer looking for people to meet a need that only God can. And so James chapter 4, verse 3, uh, James continues on. He tells us to take our desires to God, which is amazing that we have this opportunity, that God desires this kind of relationship with us. But then he also uh, gives, us, gives us a caveat to that as well, which is really important. He says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Um, and this is, this is where, when we're really specific about what we're dealing with and wrestling with our life, it becomes even more, it draws it more into focus what our actual issue is and lets us know how important it is when it comes to our wants and our needs and what God has claimed for us and, and, and lets us know honestly, like, where we're really coming from. Because can, can you imagine if God gives you, gave you, and has given you everything you've ever wanted in your life? Like, what if your parents did that for you? If my kids, if we just, if Renee and I just gave them everything they ever asked for in their life, like, does anybody, any one of us think that that's healthy? No, no, none of us would say that. It's like, Mom and Dad, can we eat all of our Halloween candy tonight? You, you know, that we, we collected and did the hard work of walking around. Sure, go ahead, make yourself sick, throw up. You know, that would be a great lesson for them to learn. Actually, I don't know, maybe that's a good idea. Uh, <clears throat> you know, candy's not all that great for you. And so maybe that, that would be a good thing. No, their lives would be terrible. They'd be cranky all the time. They would never go to bed. They, would never be, they wouldn't do well in school, all of those things. Like, we know that kind of stuff. And somehow, we get to be adults, and we're really just bigger. Like, that's the only thing that's changed about us when it comes. And we know more stuff. Uh, but we're not nearly as wise as we think we are when it comes to these things. Because that's, that, that's, the, that's the nature of the problem we have with our desires and God is that we think, well, now our desires are more refined, so if God gave me everything, then it'd be perfectly fine. But he knows too much about who we are and about our hearts. He knows too much about what's, what's to come in our lives. And so he doesn't give us everything we have because it would ruin us. It would wreck our lives. Um, and so part of this, of, of bringing this to him and identifying what it is and this, uh, seeing the implications of that thing in, in our life versus what he says in his word and what we know the character and nature of God to be is that it begins to open our hearts to him. It allows the truth of his word to do work on our heart. Uh, being honest with him, being, you know, taking those petty things to him, it helps, helps us to see how he can change that and how the Holy Spirit is directing us to be looking at that in a different way. The alternative is to bottle it all up inside and then to unload it, you know, on the people closest to us. And that's just a debt that we can't afford to have called on uh, and collected in our life. It can be difficult for us to own up to our own jealousy uh, because sometimes we know that our desires for pleasure just make us sound petty and ridiculous. 
And so that's why we kind of we try to stay real with it. You know, we don't want to name it and, and say exactly what it is. But that's how the enemy slips in through the cracks and damages our hearts. Um, especially when ultimately we feel like it's because God owes us something that he doesn't really. And so here's the thing. We've, we've, with all of these emotions, we've talked about the emotion, then we've talked about a habit, a remedy, something that we put into practice in our life uh, that helps, to, uh, to, helps us to heal from that emotion and to protect us from it. And we'll do the same thing with jealousy as well. And here's the habit that will enable you to strengthen your heart against jealousy. It's celebration. It's recognizing and having the, perspective, the godly perspective of knowing what God has already done, what he's already provided for us, and putting that into context in our life when it comes to the things that we desire and that we're jealousy, jealous about. Uh, we need to celebrate the things. We need to go out of our way and congratulate someone over their accomplishments in the same way that we wish we had that thing and somebody could come congratulate us. And so instead of letting jealousy be a barrier for us in that relationship, let's Let's let that twinge guide us to do something different in our life, to help celebrate that thing. And if somebody builds your dream house, like, like let them know, not like, oh, man, you got to bring, build my dream house, and that stinks. No, but, hey, I love what you guys did. That's amazing for you guys. I'm so happy for you. Like, allow that to start to become the rhythm of your response when it comes to your jealous feelings. Um, if somebody looks good in their brand new outfit, let them know. Like, oh man, I wish I looked like, no, just, just say simply, oh, that's the wrong side of this, but the right side of that is letting them know, hey, you look great in that outfit. Now, if they don't, like, don't lie. Um, and you don't have to go out of your way to tell them that either, uh, you know, because that's kind of a jealousy thing too. Uh, do you like your neighbor's new car? Tell them. Did your partner do a great job on a, on a, on a presentation? Do you wish it was you? Tell them they did a great job. So, so use the, the twinge of jealousy as an inspiration for you to celebrate that person, to rejoice, as Scripture says, rejoice with those who rejoice in Romans chapter 12, verse 15. Expressing uh, this truth helps, you to free from, uh, helps to free you from the emotional bondage that's so important to jealousy because you're, allowing, uh, you're not allowing it to control your behavior anymore. And so just a reminder of what the takeaways are for when it comes to our jealousy and what we do with it. The first thing is we take it to God. We, we get really specific with it, and we say, God, I wish I was 20 pounds lighter. Uh, God, I wish that I had better hair uh, or hair at all. God, I, you know, I wish that physically I was in, in better shape uh, because I want to look like this person. And let God deal with those things in your heart and in your life. Let the Holy Spirit remind you of the truths that are, that are there that we don't buy into you know, with, when we let our jealousy reign is that we're precious to God, that we're fearfully, wonderfully made. We're made in his image, that we're his children, and that he doesn't look at those desires for pleasure in the same way that, that we do, in, in such a way that it, it de defines us and we, we think about our value in those terms, that he gives us infinite value because of what he does uh, for us and in us through Jesus. Um, and the second thing is celebrate with others. It will change your attitude. It will change your, your, uh, your frame of reference for that thing. It might even get you a ride in that person's Corvette. It, you know, I, I mean, it, it will change the way that you interact and have relationships with other people because those are far more important than our desires for pleasure warring in our hearts. And so I, I just want to have a reminder of where we've come from as we've talked about these four, uh, four emotions because there are some serious implications for our life when it comes to these things. 
Uh, for guilt, the debt-to-debtor relationship is that we feel like I owe you. And so uh, the tool that God has graced us with uh, to be able to deal with that is confession in our life. With anger, uh, the debt-to-debtor relationship is we feel like this person owes us something. And so uh, forgiveness and, and what that does for our hearts, that habit changes uh, how we uh, deal with our anger. With greed, uh, the, the response, the habit is generosity from feeling like uh, that I'm owed. Uh, I owe myself something and that I need to constantly treat myself. Um, jealousy, uh, we've talked about God owes me is the debt to their relationship and celebration is the habit. And here, here's, here's what's at stake. When we employ these habits in our life, um, through the work of the Holy Spirit, we're freed from the results of sin in our life. The, the ways that it damages us, it damages our, our relationship, and it draws us nearer to the heart and holiness of God. And the result of dr- being drawn nearer to the heart and holiness of God is us experiencing the life that he all, has always meant for us. When, when you put these habits into place, what you're going to experience is more joy. You're going to experience more peace in your relationships. You're going to be happier as a result of putting these things into place. Um, these are not the only uh, enemies that exist in our hearts, but these, these enemies of the hearts um, are certainly not enemies in isolation. None of, none of them are. The implications are is that it spills over and it affects our relationships with our neighbors, with our family, with our spouse, with our kids. And while God has given us tools to put into practice to guard against and heal these emotion, these enemies of the heart, a part of this being real and effective is just simply trusting him at his word. That putting these habits in, into place will actually change our life, how we experience our unity and love for one another and how we get to share that with other people. And so I, I just want to encourage you, especially, you know, if, if you have not ever decided, like, I'm going to follow Jesus with my entire life, that I'm, I'm, I'm all in, um, I'm going to trust that how God says to live my life is something that's actually going to be real and powerful and effective um, for experiencing life the way that he's called me to, uh, that drawing near to his heart and his holiness is, is of primary importance. Um, really, that's, the, that's James uh, chapter 4, verses 4 through 10. And we're not going to read uh, through those uh, this morning, but I want to encourage you to do that later on. Is that a primary importance against the enemy and against the enemies of the heart is giving our lives completely over to him. If you're exhausted by the weight you're carrying uh, because of all these things and these emotions that have been warring in your heart, you can cast those cares, those burdens, that anxiety on him. And he's willing to take care of it all. Uh, we can have those things washed free from our life. And so I just want to encourage you, if you've never made a decision to follow God uh, through Jesus, that that's something that's always an open invitation here at this church. And so I want to encourage you, as we prepare to take communion together like we do every week at Velocity, um, that that's, that's something that we're always ready and wanting to be talking about. That if you have questions about what it looks like uh, to to live a life of faith, uh, to be a s- disciple of Jesus. That's one of the reasons why we're here as a church, that yes, we want to encourage and we want to challenge each other to live our faith as disciples of Jesus, uh, but we also want to share with others who don't know quite what that looks like, how to start that journey. And so uh, catch us after the service, send us an email, go to velocitychurch.info and sign up for that, and we would love to walk f- through that with you. Well, let me pray uh, right now as we prepare to take communion uh, together this morning. God, we, um, we thank you so much for you sending Jesus here to be 
someone that not only uh, shows us how to live, but someone who shows us that you have redeemed and reconciled us to you through his death, burial, and resurrection. God, we thank you for the living sacrifice that Jesus uh, becomes so that we don't have to be controlled by the enemy. And God, we ask that through the work of your Holy Spirit as we constantly seek after you uh, and follow you in our lives, that, that we would see the impact and the change that it makes when we live the way that Jesus lived. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.